Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts and I'm joined by... Phil Savage. It's just two of us today. Um, yeah. We're not going to talk about games this week in in terms of what we've been playing as we usually do. We're actually just going to do some reader questions this week because there's two of us. And because me and Phil have been on deadline and haven't had time to play anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Phil's, Phil's played a little bit of Nier Automata. On, or Automata, I don't know. I don't it. know. No, I don't even pronounce that. Um, the hack and slash RPG uh, from Platinum Games and Square Enix. But uh, Andy Kelly has reviewed that game, or is reviewing it right now as we talk, um, so, which is why he's not on the podcast. So mm. we thought we'd talk about that next week. So uh, we got a bunch of good questions through our Discord channel and one from Twitter as well. Um, so we're going to go into depth with those. Um, if you want to join our Discord community, which is growing all the time uh, and has new people dropping in with new questions all the time, which is great, it's uh, discord.gg slash PCGamer. That's right, isn't it? That's correct. And if you want to send questions to the podcast, you can send them to me, uh, Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. You can send them to Phil, uh, Octader on Twitter. Yep, O-C-T-A-E-D-E-R. Um, and yes, uh, it's good, actually. It, uh, clearly, um, the people who are listening are tuning in more and more in the things that we have interesting things to say about that's that's um, what we hope <laughs> yeah which is really good actually so it means every week we're getting better and better questions and we do very much appreciate them so because thank you very much there's nothing really as vain as uh, games journalists <laughs> thinking i know let's set up a podcast so to get any sort of <laughs> response from that is always good that's true i feel like all you can really do as a games journalist making a podcast is not be insufferable mm. and um you know a lo- I, I think a lot of games journalists do find that difficult actually <laughs> and i say that as someone who's been on plenty of podcasts where i've been a bastard i've listened to podcasts of me from from 10 years ago and gone that man is incorrect why mm. is he saying those words but it's still still me it's me um but anyway yes well hopefully you, you'll enjoy these and uh, our thoughts on these games uh, so i'll jump right in then this from paul Nurek on twitter just started mirror's edge catalyst can you think of a game mechanic less fun than time sections with failure states um and the answer is i can and that is <laughs> missions where you have to follow people and if they get out of your eyeline and vanish, then it's game over. Assassin's oh, Creed fucking, loves those. Yeah, yeah the, that whole... I've seen so many kind of variations of that in terms of yeah. everyone's got a slightly different way of like just how far behind someone you can get and oh. how long... The Assassin's oh, yeah. Creed thing was like, you know, they go around a corner and you know obviously where they are and it's like, you've got ten seconds before you see them again or you fail. Yes, or like um, following a car around in GTA, in GTA or 4. maybe Mafia 2. Has GTA well. 4 did a lot of that, and yeah. it was always bullshit. Yeah, and like they go, and it was oh, like... you have to be two cars behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole thing of like they stop at the lights and it go, and, and so you sort of just drive behind them. They're like, oh, you're too close. And it's like, what is more inconspicuous, me just pulling up behind them or me stopping a kind of suspicious distance away from them for no reason <laughs> yeah, yeah. other than like that's not how tailing people works, I presume having never done it or driven <laughs> yeah it was particularly when like um you're titting about at the back because you're like you're worried you're going too far forward so you're like shit i'll turn around quickly and then you're doing like a 180 um whilst the guy's just sat there thinking oh nothing wrong with that yeah um, as long is... as he doesn't get too close um i, I, I get think... spooked easily but this is fine <laughs> when i see that in a game it disappoints me but then I, I guess it must be hard if you're a designer to actually come up with new ways of presenting objectives if you have like an open world game or a narrative driven game. But yeah, I mean, I do. A thing you see a lot in reviews, and I've said the same thing myself, is like there, there is there there are a set series of objectives, and we kind of complain when games are just like, oh, you go to a place to kill, capture, or collect something, which is Ghost Recon does that. It's like there are only like three or four objective types. But if you think about it, there are only so many objective types that exist, really. Yeah, I mean, those objective types are there any more in, say, uh, the Phantom Pain, a game that we much prefer. I don't think there are. Probably not, no. You just capture a guy, you kill a guy, or you uh, destroy some vehicles. Like, there's not not really a lot. It's just how do the systems present that in an interesting way. Yeah. And yeah, like, I, I guess that's true. I mean, I mean, certain other games are, um, are better at framing missions around interesting story beats in a way that kind of underplays the fact that you're doing the same basic interactions a lot of the time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, some of those templates are kind of bullshit, and uh, following people. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, it's like following people on rooftops in Assassin's Creed, or those ones you have to eardrop. Uh, eardrop? Is that the right word? I don't think eardrop is the word. <laughs> I think you're pear drops these yeah. days. Um, uh, eardrop is something. Eardrop. Ear, no, what am I thinking? What is the word I'm thinking of then? We've been on deadlines, so my brain's broken. <laughs> Ear. I'm eardropping. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Eavesdropping. That's right. It. <laughs> Sorry, because oh you, you have to airdrop in Assassin's Creed. I thought you was. I thought you couldn't 
figure out the word air. And I was like, why'd you keep saying ear? I'm just and then a, I've realised. I'm just a stupid idiot. That's what that is. Um, I, Eavesdrop, yeah. <laughs> what I will say is another one is escort missions where there's a health bar of an ally and you've wandered off for a little bit and you come back and there's just some big dude with a hammer twatting your, the person you're protecting yeah, and then you just game over. The problem with escort missions is I don't think there's anything wrong with the nation. The, template and um i might have to veer off into uh console territory for a second because i've recently been playing yakuza zero uh because it's one of those games i can play without having to have any thoughts about it really (laughs) um but when they do an escort mission it's it's one of the annoying ones where like a, a guy is walking a set path and waves of enemies spawn to attack them and it's like you can distract maybe one or two and the rest will just go in a and you just don't have the crowd control options to sort of say uh, hey, can everybody stop attacking the guy I'm meant to be protecting? Because it'll take me a good ten seconds to deal with one guy, and that's all free time that three people can be beating on somebody. Yeah, and it's like I, I think it works with things like I guess MMOs and stuff like that, where the systems are always specifically built around having options to crowd control people, and there are like stun mechanics and specific things like that where you can actually stop a significant force from hurting somebody yeah but a lot of games don't have that as a thing Uh, it's just guns you've got to gun down some dudes yeah it's true i actually can think there's quite a a nice example i can think of is there's a good bit in resident evil 5 where you are with josh who is like another army dude Mm. um alongside sheva and chris the main characters and you're basically in this uh basically like he's got to get like a lift working and then once he's got it working you're basically chased by zombies um through this kind of series of like ladders and platforms until you can break out of the exit and um because you've got josh there as well he'll fire a few rounds off and the amount of zombies will escalate i think that's a better way of presenting it because josh is never really in terrible danger Mm. but you get the escalation of oh there's an extra character here therefore they can put more enemies in here and the situation feels more intense yeah i guess that's better is like if the impotence isn't on you to save someone as much as mm. it is like actually having those joint moments of yeah escalation and panic yeah what is it you mentioned it there what is it with video games in general and resident evil games specifically forcing you to restore power to an elevator <laughs> How well, is guess, the, like that is definitely one of the standard mission types. Oh yeah, I actually did like the um, doing the first bit of Mass Effect has that as well, where your uh, your dad is pressing some buttons to do a thing, and you have to defend from two flanks. And functionally, that's an exercise in getting you to you learn how to control your party members. Yeah. So you send this bland person here and this bland person there. I'm sure Lee, uh, Cora and Liam are very interesting, but so far they've not come across very well. But um, Anyway, yeah, you move them to these different locations and then enemies spawn in. Mm. That's the same system, really. Yeah. And again, I think it just comes down to the fact that there are only so many things you can do in a game. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Dishon- what is Dishonored except a game of killing people and knocking people out? That's true. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I think these things are just, it's just how the, the, do the I, systems make systems them interesting. Systems and presentation do mean a lot As- um, yeah. Assassin's Creed is notable because I think it's jumping is quite fiddly and therefore I, you know, I pick on Assassin's Creed so much and I feel bad it's fine yeah, there's definitely some more outrageous uh, Assassin's Creed is one of those things that has been around so long that it is like a totem for so many gaming mistakes just because it's collected all of them <laughs> and it's jettisoned a lot of them as well like, including uh, tower defense yeah exactly point, oh know. my god they did that why yeah. um, um, it was 2012 Phil anything anything went uh, to continue picking on Ubisoft uh, Ghost Recon has a particularly egregious use of the um, if you're detected uh, you fail the mission thing which is a uh, hot bullshit okay um do I have I talked about this on the podcast? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I just talked about it in my review, in which case I can launch into this because it, it's infuriating. Mm. Like, um, So they have, uh, you know, insta-fail missions if you are detected, but there, is a, there, are, there are specific states within Ghost Recon, sort of informal states between, like, the actual, uh, you know, UI changes. Right. Uh, and one of them is if an enemy spots you and then you kill them before they can shout or shoot. Nobody knows about that, yeah. uh, and it doesn't raise an alarm, and everything's fine. But if you're in an insta-fail mission, if he spots you and you kill him before he raises the alarm, that's still a failure. Right. And like, just from the context, how is that failing? Yeah, also don't ever fail someone. I, I, I genuinely believe that. I don't think MGS5 ever fails you. 
I think only if you die. Mm, yeah, or your target as, dies. Not, not that I remember. No, because um, if it goes wrong, you just shoot your way out. Yeah, usually. Yeah, um, which, and that happens a lot in Ghost Recon. Like, right, yeah. we like did our a co-op session, and yeah. there was a lot of that. Like, can you imagine how infuriating that mission would have been if, like, we were just it was just game over, go back to like a hundred meters outside the base if yeah. you fail? I'll like, be honest. I I enjoyed that mission we played in Ghost Recon so much. That I've thought about um, going back and playing it some more, mm. um, just because that was like. I know that was it was close close enough superficially to being co-op Phantom Pain that I thought oh, actually this could be a lot of fun. Mm. But um, that sounds like a, a yeah. You you enjoyed thing. Ghost Recon. You got the best version of the Ghost Recon experience partially because I spent about an hour the night before just finding things we could do that were that were fun, be easy and seamless. Okay, <laughs> rather right. than but yeah, it's good, it's good fun. We basically I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast last week or not, but we, no, no, no. we broke. It. I wasn't here last week. There was three. Uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, no, um, there wasn't a podcast last week. No, that's right because you yeah. uploaded the previous one. Yeah. Anyway, um, mm. so um, myself, Phil, Andy, and Joe Donnelly basically all got into a riverboat, went towards a base. And basically had to do a raid on the base and kill these dudes and then escape afterwards. And so it went wrong straight away because I, um, Phil said we've got, uh, the, there's a jammer over there that's making yep. my drone not work. And I was like, no problem, buddy. I'll sort that out. And I threw <laughs> this a, one's on me. <laughs> and I threw a grenade and blew up the jammer. And then... Um, and, I mean, to be fair, that did take out the jammer. It did. And that is all you asked of me, Phil. That and is so, true. And then so... Then um, it turned out there's a way to just press the jammer and that stops it from like, it Literally, it's got an off switch. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that basically started a massive fight where a helicopter came in and loads of dudes were shooting at us. Andy died and all this other stuff. But um, it basically turned it into quite a fun little set piece for all of us. And we yeah. did eventually win and we all got in a plane and, t- and escaped. It was yeah, there fun. are parts of Ghost Recon that are just knockabout fun and that's fine and laudable. Uh, you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, yeah, like... If if uh, if somebody spots you and you kill them and they're dead and they can't raise an alarm, they haven't really spotted you in that they're dead and they can't raise an alarm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the thing that it's failing you for, I mean, technically, like you have, it's it's letter of the law, spirit of the law. Like technically, you have failed. You've been spotted, but the reason you're not meant to be spotted is so is because if you are a thing, you know, what whatever you meant whatever the objective is couldn't happen if you know mm. the entire base is in panic and if it's not what's the problem yeah like the the only reason that can make sense within the world of ghost recon is if all your soldiers went oh well we've we've done we've been bad ghost recon boys and they've just <laughs> left. they're just like right we fe- we fucked this one guys let's go <laughs> Do you know, what? I think we do have to play more of that. It was so fun. It was so fun. I mean, I know that the game's got some problems, but like, um, God damn it, that was really good fun. Um, we, should, we should totally do more of it. Yeah, we, I mean, we should do more of that, but we're really bad at organizing these things. It's true. So we've still got a heist. So somebody still owes me money for that GTA heist that's, that I paid for. That's that true. I've not been rewarded for yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I need okay. my heist boys back. Uh, just one more point on um, what Paul asked there, because we actually really got quite a lot out of that question. Um, just started Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Um, it's interesting because Mirror's Edge Catalyst, I think, has a more annoying mechanic than time sections of failure states, and mm. that is mandatory combat in a game that isn't very good at doing combat, which yeah. is what the problem with Mirror's Edge Catalyst is. Is I think three or two sections that like that. I, I really like the rest of the game because you can just run and like knock an enemy over and keep moving, and the I still think the free running is amazing in that game, and the world is absolutely gorgeous. I loved it, actually. Um, but it's one of those games where like the heart... Uh, basically, I had to. The, the brain had to come first. Yeah, and the heart really wanted me to give it a higher score, and they'll never make another one. I'm sure. So, Probably uh, not. No, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's more annoying. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's a very good question. So thank you very much. Um, do you ever give a game a second chance, or is your decision to abandon a game final? That's from uh, Chris eighty six. Um, I think it varies actually. Uh, like there are some games <laughs> I have abandoned, Soma and The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, that. I just left me. I I know both those games are good in different ways, but something about them just rubbed me up the wrong way, and I went into a deep sense of uh, ennui after <laughs> afterwards. Um, just because I found them just first, I don't know. They were just sort of ponderous and depressing, and not that interesting in my opinion. Um, which is harsh because then a lot of people like those games, particularly Soma. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I never went back to those, and I don't think I ever. That's will. probably fair enough. Uh, yeah, your um. 
if 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 a ga- if you play a game and it puts you off games for like even a little while, that's probably it's probably failed in your in in your experience there. That's- yeah, yeah. Uh, but I know a lot of people really like the writing and uh, stuff in that in uh, particularly in Soma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, feel, I do feel a bit bad about that, and I did like uh, some of the presentation of the world, but I think it was the whole. Uh, stealth around a monster thing that was just done very badly and like that just really annoyed me it's a very bad old school stealth where you caught and then you're yeah. dead um, but uh, there are games where I, I I banned them for years and come back to them like Inquisition I'm still not finished but every now and then I drop back in um, yeah you? I guess I guess it's a case of what does giving up on a game mean because yeah I like I have a, a list of games that I've started and haven't finished and that I might go back to mm-hmm. in Steam. That's just a category, and it's things like uh, Phantom Pain, I've not finished that yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, I've not finished that yet. Uh, a bunch of others. Oh, what, GTA Five? Yeah, GTA Five. I never oh, yeah. completed that. It's very, very good. I, think the some of the I, I really liked yeah. it. The problem was, because um, I started playing it on PS3. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. then, uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, I stopped probably because the PS3 just got dropped in an ocean or whatever, and yeah. there was no point going back to that. So it was like, okay, well, I'll come back to it on uh, PC, which I did, but I ended up playing a lot of the same stuff, and I think it was just like I, I kind of needed to see something new, but part of that is I have to plug through a lot of what I've done already. Yes, exactly, yeah. That is difficult, actually. And like, So it's a different situation. I mean, the Phantom Pain, again, it's just because there's so goddamn much of it, and I probably got a bit in the water with the um, side missions in that. Um, just doing side mission after side mission yeah and i probably should have been like continuing with the story although there's not loads in it between the side missions and the main story i mean missions, it's all good yeah it's worth it it's I think, just i, I mean yeah. it's a game i've played for like 30 hours but yeah that doesn't necessarily mean i'm that far through the story no uh, and i will complete it at some point yeah i think it's worth doing because there's um it's actually tons you've not seen yet yeah um You've reached the second open world i assume though right yes yeah okay so, but only just yeah so you might be i think you're about I mean, maybe about a third of the way through everything it's got to offer because it kind of ends and then there's like a whole other bunch of stuff you can do. Okay, that's um, cool. But yeah, uh, yeah. so I guess like sometimes is the answer to that. It depends on what the game yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, there's, I feel, a, there's a lot of video games. I feel particularly and, bad when I abandon a game halfway through like I did with that and I know it's only like five or six hours long. That hurts a bit because I feel mm. like I've wasted those hours. Um, it might be why I don't actually play games for a while after that. But, yeah, there's, yeah. I've, I've been a lot more um, probably a lot harsher in if I'm playing something in my spare time if I'm not enjoying it that much it's, I'll probably just drop it yeah, uh, and never come back it. to it And I think there's a bit of like being an adult in that as well yeah it's yeah. just like well I might as well just sort of stick with the things that I know I'm enjoying yes. um, I've also recently basically deleted the backlog category in Steam I had everything <laughs> very neatly organised in Steam categories and part of it were the games that I've bought and haven't played and I should play and have an opinion on it's like no fuck it what I'm going to do is none of that, and uh, I'll just browse my Steam list every now and again and see if there's anything that takes my fancy. Because yeah, like the life is too short to have a big list that reminds you of how short life is. It is yes, I've been guilting myself recently into trying to get through the Evil Within, um, which I always meant to do because I was a big fan of McCarthy. That's a games. good one because you've you and both you and Andy have tried that multiple times by the sounds of it. Oh yeah, we both stopped at the same and bit. You always stop at the same bit, but yeah. Andy's gone back multiple times and just can't. But I've got a friend who absolutely blitzed it, and uh, he said, like, um, because the the safe point in that game is, like, you've seen it? It's some kind of asylum place, right? and it's quite creepy, and apparently it gets worse and worse and creepier and creepier the more you play it. Mm. Um, And I quite like the idea of, like, you eventually become a bit afraid to save because of what it's like when you go there, and I thought, oh, I at least want to see that. Plus, it's like a, a new Shinji Mikami game. I shouldn't not play it so yeah but it's that thing of where do i draw the line between i want to carry on with my life and go and eat some cheese (laughs) well yeah (laughs) i mean to to an extent this is what youtube's for now you just find a let's play find one of the youtubers who isn't like uh worryingly problematic and then uh see if (laughs) and there are plenty we should say (laughs) there are lots um but yes, I uh, yeah yeah, and ones who won't yell over it as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think you can yeah just search uh, what is it, evil within no commentary or something, and you might get like one without any screaming on. 
Yeah, but. that's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually, yeah. Okay, cool. That's a good tip. Here you go. That's the deputy editor of PC Gamer is recommending you don't play a game. <laughs> Just watch someone else play it. Well, also, it. like one of the DLC packs is in first person. I thought that sounded kind of interesting that's, as well. I thought, yeah. oh, you know, but again, it's like it's quite a long game. So uh, yeah, slightly off putting. Basically, never finished any survival horror game that isn't Resident Evil Four, so I've sort of just given up on the entire genre now. Oh God, maybe that's me as well. Have I completed any other? <laughs> oh, I don't don't know if I finished Silent Hill Two or if I just seen the ending on YouTube or something. Um, oh God, maybe that's true. See, the only Silent Hill Two ending I've seen is the dog one because can- Andy keeps retweeting it. That's true. Yeah, he loves that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I finished PT. Does that count? No, um, Resident Evil Five. I finished, but it's not really horror. Is I, it? Actually, I did finish Resident Evil Five as well. Yeah, but it's yeah, not really horror, right. is it? Well, Resident Evil Four's not either, particularly. No, there must be more spooky games I've played Alien? on PC. Alien. I finished Alien Isolation. Okay. I there didn't do that. Go. I didn't get more than like two hours before we made to Alien. I, I thought, love that game. This is actually going to fucking give me the shits. This uh, is going to give me the fear. It's as long as a bad. bloody jrpg it's like 24 hours that's, long i'm gonna be honest that's the other thing that, picked, that sort of put me off <laughs> but it is works when andy well. said it just keeps going and going and going i was like oh but it works well you'd be amazed what they get out of the same like few tools and like bits of environmental design <sighs> maybe i'll go back to it maybe that's what i'll give another chance to. that's a that is a true that's a dazzling game i love that i know um, it was our game of the year but it's like uh, oh, I'm trying to think of what i don't think there are I always, there's a lot I've sort of started then never gone back to you mm. know uh, problem is once you've seen like Pyramid Head doing um, crazy things to the corpses in Silent Hill 2 it shits you up good good and proper and going back is actually really difficult right but um, anyway uh, before we carry on I'm going to be slightly unprofessional and close the blinds a bit okay yeah so, sure I can see that you're being slowly uh, killed there by the sun blinded sir. yeah and uh, yeah it looks like you're under a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah that should, that should be alright when is the uh, 23? It's about 22 minutes in. I'll tell Andy it's about then. Oh, we're leaving this in. Oh, are we? <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, fine. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll just move on to the next question then. Um, so, dystopian future, post-apocalyptic wastelands and medieval fantasy settings have been done to death in video games recently. Are there any settings you can think of that haven't been explored as of yet? I found Yorton particularly interesting and everybody's gone to the rapture. Although it was post-apocalypse in essence, it was from a new and interesting viewpoint. Maybe it's not the settings that have become tedious, it's the fact that in the majority we've seen these worlds through the eyes of gruff 30-something white males with crap shortage facial hair. That's from M. Brady Easton. Um... So I actually I agree that Yorton was a very interesting setting because it was so mm. different to what we normally seen. It was like Last of the Summer Wine in first person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last is... of the Summer Apocalypse. <laughs> um, yes, and so uh, do I agree with that? I sort of I think there's always new angles you can present on a dystopian future or post-apocalyptic wastelands. Um, yeah, there are be, uh, games do seem to draw from the same well a lot of the time like yeah i mean actually as an example um we were proofing the magazine this month and uh i realized that there are two games in our review section alone that involve people waking up from cryo sleep from a spaceship many years in the future yeah and i was like okay maybe games are a bit too you know drawing too <laughs> maybe closely we could like push out a bit but then i don't know i don't know is it Soma and stuff like that are in. I guess that's an underwater base, which Bioshock is also an underwater base. That's true, although um, it has some quite interesting sort of takes on it, although mm. not interesting enough for me to finish the game. Clearly. So evidently not. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, I guess like along the same uh, lines, like I guess the um, Amnesia games have some quite interesting different settings uh again not enough for me to ever finish them but no um, um haven't been explored yet I, haven't been explored yet uh, i do think fantasy could be weirder yeah, yeah like fantasy if you think of the word fantasy that implies a level of imaginative <laughs> thinking that isn't often encapsulated by just medieval Europe again. <laughs> well, this is my problem with the word crafting used to describe crafting <laughs> yeah, systems. Still. Fair enough. In what way is it crafting if you're selecting three things in a menu and get a new thing? That's not crafting, right. that's I menu selection. genuinely think all crafting systems are bad, and not just because of the semantic problems with the word <laughs> crafting. That's very much my problem. do not think it's a good system. I think you're, I think you're right. Um, like, I like the, uh, it's weird, like, uh, one of my favourite 
uh, this is going to make me sound like such an idiot. <laughs> One of my favourite kind of like weird moments in a game is the special stages in Sonic 1, where yes! Sonic is in like this twirling... The twirly like pin... Not even pinball, is it? It's like a maze. Yeah, and in yeah. the background, some bad LSD <laughs> shit is going on. <laughs> There's like birds and these like uh, like strobe lighty things yeah. going on. And like, it's so wild. <laughs> and I've seen that in no other game. And like... You're right, the, the definition of fantasy is very limited, but I quite like the idea of games using more strange imagery. One of my problems with Mass Effect, uh, based on what I've seen so far, is it, it, it is like the desert world, the snow world, and yeah. finding something truly... I want to go to the, the planet that's like floating uh, amoeba flo- or whatever. There's floating rocks, Sam. That's true, yeah. But I want to go to the um, amoeba planet where everything's bouncy, and then like um, you, you meet a guy you can't see because he exists in another like realm of sense that well, you can't get your head I, around. I, I mean... A lot of it, I mean, a lot of fiction sort of phones in there, kind of setting touchstones. Uh, fancy novels, a lot of fancy novels are just it's medieval Europe. Yeah. But also, there's some pretty wet and wild stuff out there. Uh, sci fi, particular, like the amount of concepts that they can pack in uh, to a, a good, well done, inventive sci fi novel. It's just stuff you don't see in games, really. Yeah. I guess Torment is good at a lot of those things. Because it is sci-fi by way of fantasy, and also everything is broken into, I don't know, just reality is also broken enough that yeah. everything is pretty weird. Like, you can go into go into the pub in, like, the first city, into the tavern, and it's a tavern with psychic dampening, so you get all, like, the psychic people in there who are sort of trying to find a refuge from just the city at large, and that is just a space full of dense, weird sci-fi concepts to wrap your head around. Like, each person is a separate, dense sci-fi concept that you've got to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's quite telling, actually, that one of the examples he uh, mentions there is uh, Dystopian Future. Mm. And I'm thinking about, like, um, there's a TV adaptation of the book, The Handmaid's Tale, coming out. Um, And that's that book's version of a dystopian future is about basically controlling uh, women and their reproductive cycles. And, like, it's, you know, it's a, a very fascinating uh, and often grim book mm. um but maybe right now as games as they are it's probably for the best that we don't see that explored in games yeah but i mean that's fair again, enough but the, what what you what the image of a dystopian future conjures up is basically uh fallout or something isn't it or like you know some wastelands and stuff like that but the definition is uh very very narrow um, yeah i mean say what you want about assassin's creed as a series yeah yeah but They've done a few different settings there that have been like it's not all just been like mm. oh it's Europe in the past yeah sometimes it's America in the past yeah it's true um <laughs> that's very true and then one thing I liked about this game revealed yesterday from uh, the developers of Ether One I can't remember the name of it now Phil the occupation the occupation yeah or something was like it that. it looked like it was set in some kind of like near future British dystopia mm. which is one of the reasons I quite liked the idea of uh, We Happy Few yeah the survival first yeah, person yeah, yeah, game yeah, look and like the opening moments of that game present a kind of slightly cool first person Bioshocky thing set in this slightly weird Terry Gilliam esque sort of setting. Uh, the actual game is a bad survival from what I played at launch. It mm. may have changed since then, but it's a survival game, so I probably still won't enjoy it. But um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I I do like the idea of more uh, sort of like slightly weirder spins on existing real world settings. Yeah, that's it. I, that and like I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we need to like necessarily go completely out of the comfort zone i mean just from a business practice that would be a hard sell to a lot of people is like we've made this thing and it exists in the fifth dimension yeah and it's like how do you explain that to somebody even a bullet point at a marketing meeting i mean like yeah sorry go on if we've got you know the witcher series and the dragon age series and the elder scrolls series it's like can't one of you just some of the some of them are like really good interesting takes on what is essentially the same template like yeah. uh the witch has got a much more a, a much bigger focus on the politics and like the depravity of war and that and you know two thumbs up but you can just shift it a little bit yeah. just throw in a few more weird concepts it's frustrating because the elder scrolls seems to be kind of toning itself down with each release it's like getting less weird all the time i don't know i thought that it was i thought skyrim was slightly weirder than oblivion that's okay that's that's probably fair but But even then like skyrim was mostly just uh, mammoths and 
dragons. It was mostly just Oblivion, but in Scandinavia. I mean... Yeah, that's true. Um, but, like, I guess compared to the one everyone always bangs on about, Morrowind, it was always uh, with slightly weird-looking plants and floaty yeah, I mean, creatures. Like, the, you know. that's that, But maybe that is, like, the universal fix if you're looking for one easy thing to make your game weird is more mushroom trees. <laughs> what, what if the trees were mushrooms? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually... Uh, I, I do think the kind of idea of, like, living environments is quite interesting. But, like... Um, yeah, I, I suppose we sort of answered that question. I don't know, we meandered a lot. I think we need to do that because we're just doing questions this week. So yeah, I'm just I think you're right. Meander yeah. around some context. <laughs> Torment's got a city that's based around a big animal. I think I've not it, got that far yet, but that sounds weird. It sounds like some of it was built on like, a city built inside a down spaceship or something. And yeah, that's um, that's uh, the opening city, which is a lot more traditional. But there is like the underneath of it is just engines and stuff, and it's like, oh wait, hold on, is this? Is this weirder than it actually looks at first glance? It's quite in- it's quite interesting following what you've been playing this year, Phil, because you've sort of like burned off a bit of the big releases and basically focused on some quite I don't know, like you you, you gravitating towards torment and Yakuza is interesting. I, I find you've possibly not- uh, have there been many huge releases. Like I really want to play Zelda Sam, but I can't because I don't want to spend three hundred pounds <laughs> on a Switch. <laughs> like. <laughs> I've, I've owned Zelda for two weeks and not played it, which I feel is just rousing in your face. Really. <laughs> That's the ultimate insult. It's true. And then um, also, uh, I guess, like, um, I, actually, here's quite an interesting example of uh, here's a, a new, you know, series mm. that has a new setting but actually looks quite familiar, which is Horizon on PS4. Oh, right, yeah. Um, that's, like, the biggest new IP, as the publishers say. Um, in, uh, I don't know, like, something like Since the Division, I think. Right, And yeah. that's telling that there aren't many of them around now from big publishers. Um, and that is basically, like, a fusion of a bunch of different things. I think that's even how it's made. Like, it was kind of this game jam of, we want to put all these elements in a game, fuse it together, and you've got basically... Uh, like dinosaur hunting and Tomb Raider-esque or Uncharted-esque platforming, yeah. right? Like that's and it still doesn't as impressive as it looks. It still doesn't look that original, and it sounds like the quest design is all very familiar. And ultimately, it's not that wilder a setting. Yeah, see, I mean, um, I thought what was it, what was it called? Uh, it's the one with it's the one by the guys who made Heavenly Sword. Oh, Enslaved, yeah. Enslaved Journey to that the West. That did have a very That's interesting That's it. I thought that yeah. was quite an interesting take on, like, post-apocalypse, because it is, it is like, nature's reclaimed it, and it's uh, it just looked really good. It did, uh, actually. I didn't think much of the story in that game, but no. I, I thought the world was amazing, actually. And, like, um, how you'd see at uh, the start where that ship goes down and you see New York skyscrapers, but they're all, like, covered in, you know, moss or whatever. Like, that was, uh, yeah. And, like, and that did get much wilder towards the end as well. Yeah, very yeah, weird. I'm just uh, remembering that now. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought that was a cool game, actually. Mm. I hear the PC port's a bit disappointing, but... Um, I, I'm sure it's playable these days. Yeah, and it's always very cheap in a sale. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, that, was a, that was a cool, yeah. That, it's that's one of those 7 out of 10s that, like, yeah, if you see it cheap enough, I'd recommend, like, just going in and trying it out, because... Yeah, for sure. It's... V- it's it's one of those it's one of those games that's just very playable. It's like very frictionless to get through it, so you can find yourself sort of a decent chunk of the way in without really thinking about it much. Yeah, I spent a, I just... spent a crazy summer week off once uh, <laughs> playing that and drinking Vimto. So, nice. You know, that's the sort of fun times you can have too. Wow. Um, okay, cool. I hope we feel yeah, we've answered that or at least discussed it in some uh, depth. Um, I really do. I really did love the setting and everybody's gone to the rapture and like. I don't know, maybe it's just a selfish thing from living in Britain, but I like the idea of uh, British places being turned into slightly weird yeah. or you know dystopian. You know. Yeah, I guess that's. Uh, you see Victorian London a lot, I guess. Uh, yeah, that but- sort of setting, like things like. Uh, Alice Madness Returns, which I tried playing oh, recently God. for no reason, and just the I accents was alone, pretty like, garbage. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad game. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the accents alone put me off playing that, and I'm British, you know. Mm. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think modern Britain also has quite a lot to offer, like uh, in terms of like I don't know contrast of new and old buildings and uh, the slow feeling that it's all going to melt and and be destroyed in like two years that's not true at all I'm only joking um, but <laughs> uh, but yeah like uh, yeah Yorton's like just some backwater village or whatever and you know there's uh, plenty of those around um, and yeah yeah I don't know uh, 
experimentation is good, and first-person games seem to be very good for getting the mm. most out of those settings. I'm gonna I'm gonna launch a drinking game based on the number of caveats you kind of mutter after saying it. <laughs> from yeah. like just just recently that that's not true, and also I hope that's answered your question. Which you? <laughs> yes, I say that. I say that a lot. It's true. Okay, I'll move on to. Uh, there it is Sorry, again. Just, here I go to make you self-conscious for no particular reason. It's absolutely fine. But um, uh, one final point on that: you'll think about fantasy games all being the same. I think that's exactly why no one cared about Kingdoms of Amalur when that came out. That's probably it. Yeah, because it's just like, no, sorry, mate, we've got enough of you. We've now. played Fable. Yeah, <laughs> we've played Fable. It's like it was. It was like Fable cross with uh, Elder Scrolls or dragon age and no one really cared uh, even though it's quite a good game with a good combat system uh okay cool what is your favorite set piece from any pc game that's from sable keach oh god channel. this is one this is one of those terrible memory questions where i've got to remember a thing um i guess like some timefall 2 had some fun ones that, um yeah what i uh i can recall the would any of those count as set pieces i guess like when you get the thing in that level I remember specific mechanics more than I do set pieces. I don't know if there's specifically set pieces there. Yeah, there's quite a few in the early uh, Modern Warfare games I liked. Mm. Uh, in fact, I thought all the Modern Warfare games had good set pieces. Like, obviously, everyone's talked about. Actually, no, I, I really liked the um, that fight where in the White House when that EMP goes off in Modern Warfare. In Modern 2. Warfare Two, I thought that was mm. good. Or also when you're you've got kind of barricaded in that fast food restaurant and have to fight off loads of invaders. Oh, yeah. and, I thought Modern Warfare 2 had some good ones, actually. Yeah, and, um, like, uh, Modern Warfare's, like, all gilded up is probably the classic. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things in that, the joint sniper take, that, the, the bit where the tanks are rolling over your head. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That's yeah. kind of amazing. It was, um... That actually happened uh, to me in a multiplayer game of the original Bad Battlefield Bad Company online, right. okay. uh, which wasn't on PC. Well, uh, you, you were under a tank. No, I was, um... For some reason, I was in a really dumb position, like very close to an enemy base, and like a bunch of soldiers and a tank came rolling out. So I ducked. I was um, playing as a sniper because I was terrible in those days. <laughs> uh, so I ducked into a bush, and the tank rolled like right past my head, and all the soldiers sort of ran past me. And I thought, "Holy fuck! Online gaming is amazing." <laughs> uh, and then that never happened again because people started getting good at the game. That is uh, that is quite a, a good example. Uh, yeah. um, I actually uh, I can I. I just thought of one and then it's gone again. Damn it! But like, um, yeah, the Modern Warfare games had had particularly good ones. I thought, and then it, they got a bit too out of control, and the same stuff was repeated. I like the one on the plane in Modern Warfare Three as well. Um, I'll tell you word for that. As ridiculous as that was, um, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of all kind of scripted ones, but like, I uh, I guess there's probably some beyond that. Like Half Life Two is essentially a selection of set pieces. Oh yeah, yeah uh, stapled around. together one after another. Yeah. Um, so there's probably some good ones in there. Uh, like the whole Raven Home section is amazing. Like it, it's, I'm almost bored of talking about how good Half Life Two is because it is pretty good. <laughs> and it's yeah. like everyone knows all the ways it's good. Oh, um, I've got a good one actually. Okay, cool. um, uh, I remember. Well, all of the heists in the single player for GTA Five are mm. very good, but I have a okay. particular fondness for the one where you raid that small town wearing the suit of armor. Phil, have you I've not that done far? this yet. Holy shit! Okay. Um, that is that sorry. I hope that's good. not considered a spoiler. Nah. But you basically strap. I think you strap on some big armor and then get this giant machine gun, and then go marching into this tiny town to go into their vault and steal this money. And that set piece I remember being amazing. Um, there's also I won't spoil this one, but there's the one that is in Los Santos later on that right. involves going underground with a vehicle. That was incredibly done, and like the um, escape you make in that one is one of the best. Uh, missions ever, I think, like, in a single player game. Even the first heist in that game isn't that where you like um, you're on bikes going uh, through the tunnels to um, oh yeah, yeah the yeah. storm drain yeah, oh, yeah that's a really nice sequence and and a bit um, of a, maybe a bit of a throwback to San Andreas as well uh, which had a lot of yeah. that yeah sort of stuff yeah I mean you could argue I mean you could argue the, like the way that the co-op missions in that are designed the heist co-op things are designed to create specific set pieces although they're more dynamic i'd guess because they, they can't actually script anything it's I, I suppose we can't deny that the moment where i uh saved your plane yeah exactly in a helicopter that's what i was thinking from, of. like yeah. that is that is as good a set piece as you would find in any single player game yeah but it kind of just happened because we were being idiots <laughs> yeah that's true um okay cool i hope that answers the question uh fighting a dragon's cool in skyrim the first two or three times you do it yeah that's, that's all right dragon. 
Um, okay. Yeah, I guess lots of individual moments, which is because fighting the the dragon encounters in Dragon Age Inquisition are really cool as well. They are, aren't they? Not really set pieces, I guess. They're just but they, they, things you do. That's true, but they're very well designed to feel like you've just stumbled across them. Yeah. Um, like one will just swirl around the air, breathe fire on you, fly around for a while before it makes its entrance. And the way they do that is actually very impressive. Mm. Um, and it sounds like um, the big monsters you fight on the planets in Andromeda are similarly good based on Chris's review. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to Andromeda because it does sound like it's got that Inquisition thing, but the combat is actually quite good. And the yeah. wasn't the, the combat was only good in Inquisition when you were fighting dragons. It was like, that's that's what they designed it for, and then they made so much of the game not that. Yeah. I'm trying yes. to work out if the... Actually, no, I'm not going to go into that because I'm talking about facial animation in Mass Effect. That's been done Ooh, today. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a spicy potato these days. <laughs> <laughs> spicy potato. Uh, okay, cool. Um, if you could create a new genre or subgenre of video game, what would it be? That's from Stolen Cookies. Um, not asking much of us there, are you? Uh, <laughs> a new subgenre. Basically, oh, just create, yeah, just create an entirely new type of game. <laughs> yeah, sure, no worries. Um, I actually did like the sound of um, Worlds Adrift in terms of that sounded like a slightly different thing, where it's kind of part simulation, part MMO, yeah. um, with this sort of permanence of if you crash this ship here, it'll still be there when other players come and see it, thanks to whatever cloud tech they're thanks using. Thanks to magic. Yeah, mm. that sounded cool. So I like the idea of like uh, MMOs where, well, I suppose it's probably already exists in some form, but where there's this sort of player permanence of, I know, yeah, a thing I you built is still there. and. Eve? Yeah, I guess that's true. That's pretty actually, much yeah. Eve, isn't it? Yeah, um, more or less. But it, I mean, it would be nice to have a version of that in a game that's playable. Um, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry, Eve fans. Okay, that's yeah, all I've yeah, got. Yeah. I'm okay, just, sure. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you really took them down. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, sure it's fine. Yeah, I can't actually think of many. Uh, I um, uh, I got the uh, in in the great office clear out. Found a copy of. Uh, Andrew Groin's book is it Empires of Eve uh, it's just a big thing going through the entire history of Eve and like the big wars and the political movements I haven't read it yet but my girlfriend noticed it and picked a random page and a lot of it was people going yeah so we mined this thing for eight hours per day for three weeks and she just <laughs> rolled her eyes like yeah that's Eve plays <laughs> Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, I can't do that. I mean, no. I'm the man who played three hours of Soma and switched it off. I can't. I can't be doing with it. Um, I mean, I do like the idea of you know, like first person narrative games, sort of like things sprawling up because you know people have made X amount of games about this. Mm. Um, and I think you are seeing a slightly new subgenre of adventure games popping up as well, um, which I'd kind of very loosely uh, link Night in the Woods. Yes. Oxenfree. Yes. And um, Kentucky Route Zero together, where I don't think they quite belong in the oeuvre of Lucasarts um, point and clicks. Yeah, they're not but... point and clicks. So they're, they're, very, they're, they're adventure games, but without the puzzles, like just narrative adventures. Yes. And that you're actually going on an adventure a lot of the time. But, yeah. Uh, you don't have to do anything with a rubber chicken and a pulley. <laughs> no, that's true. And uh, nothing's really abstract. You've just got to interact mm. with a thing. Um, and yeah, it's more of a vessel for story. I guess Oxen Free has light puzzle elements, but it's not really. Yeah, the, the the delivery of those puzzles are very different. Yeah, yeah, and it's more about the choices you make in terms of who you make friends with and mm. where you go next and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so I like that that genre has sort of emerged as a as a thing. Um, and I'd like very loosely say that the South Park game reminded me of that a bit as well, where okay. I think the, why there is a combat system in that, it's not particularly in-depth, and it's more no. about going around the town and interacting with people, and um, that's not, there's not really... Uh, that's that's the meat of the game, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I did realise this when um, for the new one, uh, they're talking about like redoing the combat system, and it's, it's more of a turn-based thing, or a, um, I guess a kind of more positional... Uh, in how it works, yeah, which I don't think is that interesting actually. But you know. yeah, well, that's it. I, kind of, <laughs> like seeing that, I think that made me realise that yeah, the combat is not what I care. Like I was quite happy that it was fine. They had combat in the last South Park game, but it's not why I was playing it. And the fact that it was really easy and really light touch was probably a bonus because it meant you could just sort of get through that section and get to where the jokes were. Yeah, that was it. It was just a vessel for jokes. Yeah. Like, um, um, and in much the same way that Oxenfree is just there to deliver this one spooky narrative. Mm. Um, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think, I think that good. is okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's quite exciting, actually, because I, I will play more of those games. Night in the Woods is definitely something I want to tick off this uh, this this year. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a cool subject. Yeah. I, Whatever you call that, narrative adventure, I don't know. I just sort of wonder if, like... 
whether it's a you know a, a sort of time thing or a getting older thing or but like i'm quite happy now for games to sort of strip out the more bullshit natures of challenge like yeah. the idea of playing through torment not really doing many fights like i'm sure you can do a lot more fights than i'm doing because i'm doing practically zero yeah and i'm just sort of wandering through do, doing what is ultimately a visual novel because it's a lot of selecting various dialogue options and moving around yeah um and that's fine like i don't need the kind of fairly arbitrary challenge aspect of it yeah that's how i felt playing um her story or yeah uh what's the other one um untold story no stories untold recently oh yeah i need to check that out actually yeah i'm two episodes into that and like uh and this review i read that recently and i was like "Mm, that does sound I, I, I fucking love it. I think it's great. I mm. think the the writing isn't mind-blowing, in my opinion, but okay. the, the way it's presented is very exciting. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of, yeah, it's just you can have the story and um, there'll be some, uh, you know, the, they'll use art, the art and sound to create some atmosphere, yeah. but you don't really need any traditional systems beyond that. Um, I, sorry, actually very brave of Torment to do that. I've no idea if Planescape Torment did that, but, like, um, I would uh, imagine yeah, not. Yeah, I... I I don't think so. Like, um, I've only played about an hour of Planescape, and there was a lot of fights in that opening dungeon. Yeah, so which it's... is very classic old school Infinity Engine design is get ready for a bullshit first dungeon. I wonder if that's a reflection of the developers themselves getting older as well and thinking quite well, possibly what, what would like, we I like to make. We're probably know? yeah getting better at identifying what the core like loops of a game are, and if it's not a combat, then yeah, why not experiment with kind of moving it there? Yeah, um, and so, some games it suits more than others. Like, I, for example, I'd never say that um, XCOM 2 should be a, a narrative No, game, absolutely you know, not. And uh, like, uh, even Pillars, I think, combat probably makes more sense in that. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, And obviously... You know, I'm also quite happy for games that are basically all systems, i.e., Metal Gear and yeah, Raiden or whatever. Yeah, I, Metal Gear was better without cutscenes, in my opinion. Yeah, but I don't need the story there uh, as much as I love it in some of the Metal Gears, like that game specifically. I'm very happy for that to just be a collection of weird systems in a world that I fucked about with. Yeah. Uh, same with Ghost Recon. I'm quite happy that all the story parts of that are kind of optional videos that you don't really have to pay attention to because, and- again, you just want the systems and the friends and the mucking about yeah it's interesting i guess it differs for every player but uh, i like that, that choice is available now um, yeah it's good because if you think um i think the one area gta struggles with uh as an online thing with the heists has been like there are times when we just sort of sat around uh waiting for a character to do the cutscene and explain the mission it's like none of us are listening to the cutscene. right we're yeah. all just joking around and it's like i don't know what that really adds but sometimes what, it's great but a lot of the time it's like i don't care about this character and this isn't the place to deliver a comedy lecture at us yeah particularly in those missions where none of the main characters involved yeah who, who i actually quite like in gta puff and franklin but yeah because he's boring but yeah um it's the uh of gta <laughs> he is very dull um, not yeah. that, not that Michael's fascinating or anything, but no, he's, that's, uh, but yeah. Trevor is. Uh, I'm I'm all about Trevor. I think he's great. Um, anyway, uh, okay, cool. Uh, naturally, I've been spending some time in the Elite Dangerous 2.3 beta. Most of it is messing with the Hollow Me character creator, and I'm now into my sixth go of adjusting it to roughly replicate my own. I think it says physique, but it says physog. Physog. Okay, it's, it's a, a word for face. Okay, right. Um, I just can't read that because half the lines get deleted from when I'm reading this <laughs> on my phone. After the obligatory uh, max slider, um, how uh, long do you normally spend on a character creator? Do you recreate your own face, someone else's, or just make one up? That's from Max Sersor, long-time PC gamer reader, and uh, yes, always very nice to have his questions. Um, so, what about you, Phil? Do you spend a long time in character creators? not on physical appearance really yeah uh like if it's an rpg i can spend a hell of a long time like assigning stats and trying to decide you know maybe less so now a lot of the time now i'll just launch into an rpg kind of knowing that at some point i'll probably redo it because i'll i'll figure out what's wrong with my build and think okay well the, the way I the, the way it turns out I'm playing this more suits a different thing entirely. So yeah. the number of RPGs I've had to restart like two or three hours in just because right. it was like, well, I can make this experience more fun for myself by repeating a little bit of it. Um, in terms of faces, uh, I never attempt to recreate myself because I'm bad at doing character creation. Like, I'm just bad at sliders. Yeah. I, I'll take a default thing and i'll maybe nudge a couple of i'll take one of the presets nudge a couple of things and think yeah that's 
That's fine. That's essentially what I did with Mass Effect. Um, I look at it very different from me. It sounds like Mass Effect. You can get into a lot of trouble quickly if you go too wild with those sliders. But Well, yeah, some very bad hair going around. Mm. Um, the hair choices are disappointing in Mass Effect. Okay. But, um, but yeah, um, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't really. I did for uh, Mass Effect, uh, the original trilogy, actually. I went into quite a lot of detail and managed to actually create recreate the shape of my face to the point where okay. when he turned sideways, someone who was in the office watching me review Mass Effect 2 went, jeez, he really looks like you from the side, doesn't he? Because <laughs> I've got a slightly weird chin-nose combo, and I managed to recreate that in the, uh, in the game. It was kind of interesting playing Mass Effect on PC, how... Uh, my shepherd sort of degraded over time <laughs> what, based on Bioware engine? really struggling to import those settings into the new engine. <laughs> I think it was like, yeah, Mass Effect 2, you had to put a code in or something. It, like, it generated a code based on your old thing and said, look, this is as close as we can get based on what the Mass Effect 1's engine was. Yeah, a lot of the... If you were a bit closer to the presets, it was a bit easier to carry them over. Yeah. Um, but I can't really be bothered anymore because um, ultimately the characters aren't really uh, you in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, and in, in Ryder's case, it, I don't really want Ryder to look like me because, you know, Ryder's a character in a video game, so it's fine. Yeah, like, um, I guess... I guess for something like Eve, oh not Eve, Elite, uh, for Elite it kind of makes more sense because you're not playing a character as much as you're just playing you, uh, you're playing a spaceship that is the avatar of you and like there's no real story abstraction that makes you a fictional person within the world, you're just kind of you doing the actions you want to do in there because it's more of a simulator than an RPG. Um, for an RPG, I'm quite happy to take on a role and decide who I want my character to be, and I don't want them to be me a lot of the time. Yeah, like, I find it more interest. I find it more interesting in Mass Effect, um, like having a character who was Shepard and who would make decisions that I wouldn't make if it was me in that position. Yeah, uh, if it was me and I wasn't a coward in that position, <laughs> even then the Shepard version would make different decisions because yeah, I sort of got a sense of who they were as a person. Yeah, um, and that was quite an interesting way of you know going through a game is saying like, oh, I think Shepard would do this. I won't. I can't. I can't say which game this is, but there is a game that came out in the last few years. But I'm really glad I took the time to create my character's face mm. because they really you found a way to use it uh, in an incredibly clever way um, and so yeah but I can't uh, I can't tell you what it is that's very cryptic yeah it is yeah but um, <laughs> the people who know the game in question may figure out what I'm talking about but uh, yeah that's uh, an interesting one you can always uh, DM me if you think you've worked out what I'm talking about there <laughs> but um, yes okay uh, question have you guys ever felt completely burned out from video games if so what did you do since it's your job to play video games that's some stick man uh, i think the first thing we do should do there is kind of uh dial back some assumptions about what our job is <laughs> and how much of it involves just playing video games it's uh it's nice when it does but it's not it very often nice, yeah. for, for me it's about i don't think i ever really play games at work um not that i you know i feel terribly hard done by that i'm the editor of a magazine so it's fine um phil plays games more than i do but not loads more still yeah it tends to be i'll you know every now and again there'll be a week where i've got to review something big and suddenly there's like three or four days that are just playing a game it's um i guess like what he means is like your job is about games therefore like i don't know um yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seriously offended by the implication. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm very grateful for the question. Um, uh, so yeah, um, I do actually get burned out from games, um, mm. and it's happened a few times in the last few years. And when I do, I basically just because uh, I know loads about games anyway, I can still do my job whilst not really being interested in them at that specific time because mm. I've just been playing games, you know, and in writing about them for years. It's fine. Um, but yeah, it definitely happens, and it definitely happened after that Ethan Carter thing I've talked about. Yeah, and I wrote about it now playing in the magazine ages ago. I just you know got hit by that monster in that tunnel in a game that I thought had a deeply mediocre narrative, but some nice environmental design. And for some reason, that put me off games for like about three months until something came out and broke me from it. I don't remember what it was, but um, yeah, it happens. What about you, Phil? Happened to you? Um, yeah, not not for long periods. I don't think um, like. There'll be days where, you know, you'll get home and I'll think, I honestly can't stomach playing anything right now, so I'm going to put Netflix on and just kind of lie in my own filth for a bit, and that's how I will decompress from a day of work. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, I find I can burn out on specific games. I don't tend to burn out on the entire medium as much. Like, I, I'll be in a position where like I can't, can't deal with... Like, last night, I just couldn't be bothered with 
continuing the near or anything i was like i'm not in the mood for that type of game so i ended up loading up shogun 2 and just sort of like maybe i'll finally learn that total war game maybe i'll finally <laughs> learn how to play a total war did you uh i haven't learned it yet it's huge and i spent two hours mucking about with it but yeah. um like maybe i'll continue with that or maybe i'll drop it entirely uh like i always do and <laughs> move on to something else yeah um i uh i've I sort of like here's something interesting right my friend um, my friend Andrew and I talked about this recently like he he is convinced that he doesn't like games as much as he used to mm. and he thinks that's partly because when he was in his early 20s he had more time to waste on them which is probably true that's fair enough but yeah. I think um, I think it also might tie into the larger thing about why in the case of something like Mass Effect Andromeda people get so uh, het up about uh, games I think this happens in all mediums it happens in comics as well and um, sometimes a film series where I think people were more in maybe more of a mind frame to enjoy something when they were younger and they played that first or second thing than they are now where their life is perhaps a bit different and therefore they can't enjoy things in the same way. And I think that's definitely a thing. Mm. It's a part of either age or lifestyle changing. Um, And I noticed it when I was talking to my friend. He was like, oh, remember when we used to play this? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I I was trying to think of when we played, when we used to play Resi 5 and co-op together, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember enjoying games at that point more than I'd ever enjoyed games before. And like, um, I think that naturally happens. But what do you think? Am I just being a cynical bastard? I don't know. It's it's difficult because like the world is also very different now. Like the way that uh, a a scandal or you know that kind of negativity can spread is a lot. It is just very different now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You can you know you can load up Twitter and it's people will be angry about a thing guaranteed and the fact that people are angry about that thing means that the news sites can just easily collect some tweets of people being angry and say look people are angry and yeah. it's just like this this entire industry is built it, it, it facilitates a lot of that stuff in various ways and i think digging into too much of that side can like be a problem like yeah, just not 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 necessarily a problem. Like I'm not saying no one should be critical of a thing or mm. not think too clearly about it, but also you know there is there is a level of kind of digging into the industry of things that I think takes away from the games itself at times. Like maybe maybe that applies more to us because we're just possibly yeah we, we're when, focused on it. You know? When I was younger, I was less aware of how games were made and what all the variables were and I could put a thing on and be like this is going to do something that I don't understand this is going to do something this show me something new as opposed to hmm this is how this this is this game's take on these particular systems yeah where like um, it's quite interesting because one of the reasons I got into magazines I always felt like they were more about celebrating games than anything and even when a game would be savagely taken down, mm. it would be with goodwill and, like, you know, decent humour or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe that's a naive and nostalgic view of it. But um, certainly, like, uh, I I don't know. I don't... Uh, yeah, I think it's... When you, when you have to be more reactionary, you're bound to get more of that negative angle because you're reacting to what you know readers are interested in or whatever and uh, and what the conversation is about mm. a certain game um whereas the magazine's a lot more of a closed off thing of yeah like, we you know. don't have to react to anything we no, <laughs> just true. put the things we want in the magazine and uh if people like the magazine they'll pay for it and see it and they get the curated experience of yeah yeah and i i like that and um yeah i agree that, i agree that that uh you know the, the instant reaction can just be a bit much that said like you know you also get to see when people like a game it's uh, celebrated nicely i mean yeah, one of the reasons like, you know zelda looks so appealing is because people have shared all this cool stuff they've done in it you know that's absolutely well. yeah yeah i think there are some i think i don't know i think sometimes it's good to just get out of like your comfort zone or just playing the big thing that you know what it you know, you know everything that it's going to be before you really settle down into it. Yeah. And I think Zelda was one of those in that, not because people got out of the comfort zone to play it, like people knew they were going to play the new Zelda, but it surprised them by just being something so different to what I think a lot of people would have expected a Zelda game could be. Yeah. Um, and then part of it for me has been like checking out, you know, stranger things that wouldn't you know stuff like yakuza zero and i god i hope the yakuza series comes to pc one day so that all of this is relevant at one point <laughs> but 
uh, you know, that's not a series I was familiar with, and I, I'm kind of it's a it's janky in a lot of ways, but also quite delightful just because it's out of it, it's it's kind of a strain of game development that I've not seen in a while, mm. uh, probably since playing things on the PS2, like. Yeah, yeah, and I, I often think I should challenge myself to play more, more things like that. Mm. Um, that yeah, that I wouldn't normally uh, play. But um, mm, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, I definitely think we've gone into depth there on the yeah. idea of being burned out. On I games. don't know, yeah, maybe. But like, I think that I, sometimes I think a good thing is like last night I just switched every device I had off and then just played Mass Effect for like two hours. Yeah, that's and like um, that was, and I was like, oh no, this is the way it should be. You know, I shouldn't be constantly reading what people are saying about this. I should just be enjoying the thing and then having an opinion on the thing that I, whether I enjoy it or not, it's made up without necessarily being influenced by, you know, Twitter or whatever. That's something I've had to get, yeah, good at with certain games because um, having a multi-monitor set up, which could be quite useful for MMOs and things when you want to watch The West Wing. Um <laughs> I do watch other shows. <laughs> <laughs> what other shows, Phil? Give us a give us a sample. Uh, what have I been watching recently? I started watching the um, uh, OJ Simpson thing. Oh, that's really good. American that's really good. Yeah, it's great. You can probably just about get away with watching that on a second screen. I don't know if you can. No, I sort of need to pay attention to that one. I think it's, it's very good. It's very there's very good. A lot of drams. So you want to you want to soak them all up. You don't want to miss David Schwimmer's um, facial expressions either. Wow, Legion is too weird for too weird for a I second thought, screen I experience. It's really boring. I. I look nice, but is it, is, it's, it's like Preacher. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched that in the end. I tried it. I, I kind of liked it. I thought the cast was good, but it's like Preacher slow. in that it's very yeah, it's very slow and nothing really happens, but it looks good and the visual effects are quite well done. Why is every cable drama just fucking languid with like how it's uh, yeah, pacing? You know? like, when it's did that really become a thing? weird, isn't it? It's, it's like. like Oh, we saw Mad Men and Breaking Bad, so we can pace everything the same, and it's yeah, like, no, it's make like, stuff happen. No, 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 these are, these are like comic franchises where stuff happens. Like, yeah. you can just make the stuff happen. It's like, no, what if we took an entire series and two episodes worth of things <laughs> happened over it? So have you read how much shit happens in one issue of X-Men? It's like fucking uh, Wolverine came back from the dead and then, like, teleported through, like, a sentinel's face and landed on Magneto, who just blew up an island or something. That much can happen in one issue. Yeah. And also that island had dinosaurs on it, because... <laughs> the X-Men because um, why not um, <laughs> elementary is a good second screen experience because it's bullshit but it's yeah. kind of pleasant bullshit it's, I think it's better than Sherlock because it's not utterly think, insufferable well yeah it's, it's not amazingly pretentious <laughs> I mean, it has to sort of deal with the fact that it's just a serial drama so it kind of gets to be fun that's true yeah but um, um, okay those are good things to watch if you're playing MMOs oh my yes. god yeah where was that uh, but like for something like a Mass Effect, you've got to deliberately kind of turn off the second screen, make sure it's not just open on Twitter or whatever, so that you can actually, con- you know, actually just sort of immerse yourself within the game a bit and enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. It's taking some- and not don't don't just don't always be capturing video because that awkward animation might get some retweets. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> just. <laughs> It's true, and the animations are awkward. But hey, um, I say that I'm already taking some uh, some, some video capture of Yakuza Zero things because some of the animations in that are amazing. Some of the deliberately um, amazing, like they are ridiculous. Oh, I, I look forward to seeing them on uh, on the twits one day. <laughs> um, I'm very sorry I didn't get your uh, name for this last question, but um, uh, thank you very much. This is our Discord channel. Uh, do you ever feel a sense of loss or like you're missing something from your life after finishing a game you're emotionally connected Holy to? Shit. Just a light one to end on. <laughs> wow. I didn't want to end on the burning out one, so I no, thought I'd end so on a positive like, one. Did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, do you feel crushing on Wii? <laughs> I don't very often get that from games um, because I'm just simply not that invested. Mm. Um, or Although a sense of loss, I don't really know. Um, I, yeah, I used to get this maybe a bit more as a kid, but uh, as an adult, I don't know. Because the fiction of them don't tend to be that uh, complex. Although it's funny because um, I got my girlfriend to play through her story recently. Yeah. And uh, I realised I did think about that game for a long time after I played it. And um, that was partly because I you know, really enjoyed it. And I thought well, it could be years before anyone makes a, an FMV game like this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that has such an in- Or even a detective game that has such interesting subject matter. But that wasn't so much a sense of loss as like, oh, I just wish more people would make things like that. You know what I mean? Um, different spins on yeah I, like I Oxenfree stuck with me for a long time mm. but not I, I don't know if I'd want it to be longer I don't because that would have probably ruined it for me a lot of the time like I mean most games I don't finish anyway because they're so long that I mean one day I'll finish The Witcher 3 but it's 
big ass game. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, guess, I guess the benefit of a lot of things being open world now is like the world is always there to go and plot about in if you need to. Like you don't need the thrust of the main quest to yeah to go back and return. Like um, a lot of big games these days seem to be more places with stories in them than they do stories that you work through and dump forever yeah it's happening more and more now isn't it yeah it, it seems to be um, for better and worse like yeah it means there's a lot of 30 40 hour games out there mm. but yeah yeah um i've changed other stories i got invested in maybe that had the same effect I, there was there's bits of mgs5 story that i actually did really like and mm. thought about quite a lot afterwards and when that game was over i was kind of like oh well, this is what it is but the game the story did really does things to make you feel like you're losing things as you go like this in the second half particularly I won't, I won't say any more about what that is but it's quite quite interesting what they what they try and take away from you um, but uh, yeah otherwise I would say probably not probably mm, not probably not no uh, but then Mass Effect was an ex- Mass Effect 3 was an example of something that I remember being hyper emotionally invested in when it came out uh, the third one and then when it ended just being like wow that was you know that's that journey has come to an end you know yeah that's it i think like there's a specific emotion for coming to the end of things like that and like i don't know maybe a handful of games like that a couple of like adventure things i've invested in uh mgs3 maybe yes yes uh where you are just like oh wow that was that was a thing that happened and i'm gonna need to some time to process all of this yeah but i or start yeah, saying the plays in the background. I, you know, <laughs> I've never gone into a deep spiral of uh, loss and sadness. No, no, not really. No, mm. um, I, but I think that might be what he means. Just um, yeah, like a bit of like uh, yeah, just sort of like a sense of I don't know. There's you, there's something that stays with you after you finished it. It moves you in a way that is not entirely like cheerful. It's like you know. It's challenging you emotionally in some yeah. way, like a film might, you know. Yeah, like or a book. Like yes. there, there are, I think. There, yeah, actually, there've been like long book series that I've come to the end of and thought, oh, it's a shame I'm not going to get any more stories within that world. Kind yes. of thing. Yeah, and occasionally the same thing happens in games, yeah. um, but I guess not that often. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I suppose like yeah, a few of Rockstar Rockstar's games have done that before. Mm. Um, I think GTA 4 managed that to an extent. Do you not feel some loss and sadness about the fact that you'll never go to the city? Is it Glass in Mirror's Edge? Oh right, yeah. Um, not really. No. <laughs> I, as much as I liked it, it's just the uh, yeah, the systems are good. The, the city itself is yeah, it's quite nice looking. It's true. It's very got nice. Very nice. They've got very good environment designers to dice. Like that's true. Yeah, quality quality places <laughs> well hopefully that's answered that uh, question um, I wish I had a more articulate answer for that but I actually I'm struggling with it for some reason um, because I suppose it just doesn't happen very often in games because mm. there are very few game stories where you get that emotionally invested because either the writing isn't that good or it's generic or games aren't really about story most of the time yeah I guess know? that's it it's like yeah, the, the the world. Yeah, you can always go back to that setting anyway, and you, you can just parachute into any mission of a lot of games, and it probably be, you know you can recapture the feelings of when you played it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. okay, cool. Well, I think we've just about gone through those uh, now, and uh, very much appreciate the questions. They're very very good this week. Hmm. Um, if you want to leave us some more, that's Discord.gg/pcgamer. If you're not a member of our community, please join up. Everyone's very friendly. The conversation is good. It's way better than Twitter, I would say. Um, it's nice to drop in. Occasionally, I might review a vegetarian restaurant in Bath for your pleasure, um, which I'm sure we get a lot out of. And uh, next week, we'll come back. Um, it might be late next week because I am away for three days, mm-hmm. but and we'll have Andy on talking about Nier, and we'll gather your questions again. Yeah, we can probably dig into Mass Effect a bit more fully than we have as well. I would say so, yeah. We've just put an issue to bed that will have Dawn of War 3 on the cover, but we've um, also gone out on sale now that's got uh, Mountain Blade 2 on the cover with a free uh, closed beta key for Gwent. Um, it is the easiest way to get access to that game is buying the issue. It's uh, very, very simple. You get it, you've got the URL, you sign up. You can also play on Xbox if you have one of those, but um, yes, Xbox or PC. Yep. And uh, yes, if you'd like to review the podcast on iTunes, we'd massively appreciate it. It just helps us find more people. and uh, People seem to like the podcast, so that's great. Um, if you could do that, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.